you know, the drama that Kanye West is stirring up just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. After he went on Infowars with a very controversial talk show host, to put it gently, Alex Jones, uh, and said that he likes and sympathizes with Hitler, he then went on Twitter and posted an anti-Semitic image, including the with, which included the star of David. So, so Kanye was suspended from Twitter. Then Elon Musk allowed his account to run again. Then after this most recent post, Elon shut his account down again. But is this personal intervention from the owner of Twitter really the right way to go about shutting down hate speech? And what influence does hate from a celebrity like Kanye have? I mean, are we just writing him off as just spewing nonsense? Or does do his comments embolden people that maybe feel the same way to be more outrageous with their opinions and more outright about them. We're going to get into it right now with our next guest, who's the manager of the Toronto Holocaust Education Center's Online Hate Research and Education Project. And he's an online hate researcher. Atten Quintel is joining us. Atten, good morning. Thank you so much for making the time for the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So let's just let's just start there with the influence that Kanye has. Uh, I mean, how much does a, a celebrity like Kanye saying things like this embolden others to then share their opinions and spew hate as well? I mean, I think we need to start by by just establishing that Kanye West not just like a celebrity, right? He is probably the single most um, popular and influential uh, male musician probably of, of his time very much at least uh, over the last few years um, so the reach is is very large he's someone who's very admired especially by by young men um, who you know tend to be exactly the target of of you know radicalization efforts so um, for him to endorse talking points that you know include uh, you know calling Jews pedophiles, accusing Jews of pushing pornography or controlling major institutions, or even denying the Holocaust, that's that's something that's kind of unheard of in terms of, of the mainstreaming of anti-Semitism, at least in the last couple of years. But I'm almost tempted to say since uh, World War II. And it's it's the people that are now flocking to him, or that Kanye is bringing towards him and sharing that spotlight. Is that the great danger? You can look at Kanye West and go, okay, this guy has gone off the deep end somewhere. But opening up that spotlight, adding more people into that 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 public light, that's got to be damaging. I, I think you're right on the money there. Um... Obviously, I, I think if you look at the footage, it seems as though Kanye's anti-Semitism very much is built around personal grievances. He mentions uh, contracts. He mentions you know specific people who he perceives as having wronged him, um, and that's you know that's a harmful form of mis- of anti-Semitism in and of itself. Um, but the people that he's surrounded himself with, people like uh, Nicholas J. Fuentes, for example, who's the leader of uh, a youth-oriented white nationalist movement based in the United States, the Groiper movement. Um, this is someone who's a political propagandist who's been trying to get away um, to reach young audiences and, and, and capture their imagination almost for you know four or five years at this point. Um, this is someone who's built a playbook and he's finally, through Kanye, reached um, you know capacity to to reach millions now. So so that's definitely something that's concerning. Um, and I think that that forces us to consider all of this information not just as you know the latest. Uh, events in, in, in you know Kanye's drama, but really as as a serious political moment, something that really forces us to sit there and think about what we can and should do in order to counter hate uh, and anti-Semitism in that form. 
you know, as, as you mentioned, Kanye is, he's a massive celebrity, and I keep waiting for this to become just a performance, for there to be some sort of explanation for it. And it doesn't seem like that's coming. And there are a lot of questions, you know, about his, his mental well-being, and is this some sort of a, a break? Um, is he is he well? What's going on? But, you know, that's almost irrelevant when it comes to the fact that people people will be paying attention to this, right? And you you do, when you see the comments on, on posts about his his rants, you do see some sympathizers that, that kind of say, well, I do understand what he's saying, or, oh, he's just trying to, he's just trying to say this. And, you know, these explanations for his behavior, it's pretty alarming. I'm curious, Atten, what does the, what does the Jewish community feel about this? Um, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not Jewish myself, so I can't pretend to speak in the name of the Jewish community, but I mean, from my work with the, the Toronto Holocaust Museum and my colleagues, sure. like this is something that's very concerning, right? This is, um, as I, as I mentioned, really a mainstreaming of anti-Semitism that we haven't seen in, in, you know, in any way, shape or form to this extent, uh, for, for at the very least a very long time, um, and, and you know, you have to imagine, especially as we're seeing people come out of the woodwork and defend him, um, you know, these, these are people who are going to vote, they're going to speak to their relatives, they're going to maybe join protests, or maybe, you know, the, the, the action doesn't stop at the online comment in which they share their agreement with Kanye. It, 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 really, it really starts there. Um, so, so I think there's a lot of worry about, you know, what's, what's next, what's coming up, how big of an impact yeah. this is going to make. And there's yeah. a lot of, of variables at play and it, it becomes difficult to kind of, you know, gauge or predict mm. just how big of an impact it's going to make. But, you know, certainly there's cause for, uh, for definitely a cause for worry. Uh, let's talk about nuance here a little bit. Kanye West uh, lacks a little bit of nuance. He pretty much hits people over the head with what he thinks. But there are other examples of where the, the, there is a discussion about uh, about, you know, the role Jews play in Hollywood, for example, you may, and I'm sure you're familiar with Dave Chappelle's uh, appearance on Saturday Night Live a few weeks ago, and a lot of what his stand-up in his opening monologue was about Kanye. It was about certain things, and it was a lot of nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, I know I've got to be careful what I say because of the power in Hollywood won't like it. Where do you where do you stand on that kind of part of the of the of conversation that has come up about the narrative that says, well? Can we not talk about whether there are legitimate concerns? All of that. Uh, there is nuance involved here, as well as being beaten over the head with Kanye's comments. I, I mean, I will say, uh, as someone who works for, for a Holocaust museum, as someone who you know, has Jewish friends, I, I personally don't have concerns about seeing Jews and represented in, in different workplaces. And I do, I do think... Um, that a lot of these concerns that are, you know, sometimes being billed as as being uh, as being normal or as being just like an observation of reality are really rooted in in thousands year old um, conspiracy theories that have been peddled about Jews um, that have led to to you know pogroms and and obviously uh, in 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 one of the ma- or you know worst uh, crimes against humanity in in, in recorded history. Um, so so I I, I do think. Um, I do think that we have to be careful around conspiratorial thought, and I do think, especially in the context of, of my work, that education plays a big role um, in helping people understand that that kind of rhetoric and that kind of discussion, um, sure, might might not be uh, explicitly, uh, you know, you know, uh, harmful, or they, they might not be trying to cause harm, 
but the harm will you know take place uh, somewhere down the line and this rhetoric tends to build uh, itself up until the point where it reaches a boiling point where horrible things start to happen and certainly we've we've had a number of events in the last few years that have been um you know, that has been led on by, by rising anti-Semitism that has led to the death of, of, you know, a number of people. So I think we really have to be careful with that kind of rhetoric. Yeah, and really, you know, real-life action that begins with conversations online. I'm sure as an online hate researcher at 10, you can speak to you know, the proper ways to to combat something like this. So we go back to then Kanye posting this most recent image um, on Twitter that Elon Musk says, okay, look, Kanye, this is enough. You're out of here. Is that the right way to go about this? I mean, is the owner of Twitter policing accounts the the right thing to do? Or should there be a larger precedent in terms of, you know, you you just can't spew hate here, period. Um, yeah, I mean, social media companies typically have community guidelines which dictate what type of speech is acceptable and what type of speech is unacceptable. What's happened in recent weeks is Elon Musk has decided to shift uh, Twitter's enforcement uh, model for these community guidelines to essentially like a pick-and-choose approach mm-hmm. where whatever content that he is aware of, uh, he'll act upon. Uh, Kanye had already been banned, right? And and like like many others, uh, who've been banned from Twitter for hate speech, for harassment, those kinds of reasons, uh, they've been brought back. Um, and, and and just to to um, not to get too deep into this, but I do think that we have to consider the fact that that's not a sustainable model, right? One person's opinion can't be shaping um, how discussions are are taking place on on something you know so close to being uh, you know in an online marketplace of ideas, right? Yeah. So so I think it's very important that we. Uh, consider the role of social media companies and the responsibility that they have in making sure that that type of hate doesn't spread. And as you go through, as mentioned, online hate research and education project and online hate researcher, since some of this Kanye stuff has started blowing up, has there been an increase? Have you seen a a noticeable change in some of the conversations or the temperament or the tone of some of the things uh, that, you know, through social media specifically, I guess, online? Yeah, uh, I mean, big events like, like, I mean, in, in a very literal way, Kanye West endorsing Nazism or denying the Holocaust, uh, or even, you know, actual events like, for example, the, the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa, those events can have a real emboldening factor for uh, people who are organized hate peddlers, right? Like, they, they, they see public validation, they see the, con- like the, the discussion around their talking point growing, and they see it as an opportunity to get even bolder with their messaging, right? They, they see it as almost the window of acceptable speech shifting towards, uh, towards them, towards their opinions. Um, so definitely we've seen an increase in, in even the tone of the discussions. We've definitely seen a lot of, uh, of people who normally wouldn't necessarily celebrate anything that uh, an artist like Kanye West would say, really taking up, take him up as as a symbol, um, and yeah, like we we've seen that uptick, um, and it is definitely a part of the things that we should be concerned about. Aten, thank you so much for your research and for your perspective this morning. Thank you so much. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.